what a wonderful uh, uh, music and worship today. And I'm so thankful for everyone that took part in our worship and uh, uh, for all of their uh, due diligence. If you have your Bibles, if we'll take them to Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2. If you're visiting today, again, I want you to know you're our honored guest. And I want you to know that everything that you're going to hear and see, and, and the most part, is going to be right up here. Um, and uh, so don't uh, be concerned if uh, you don't have a Bible this morning, and that is perfectly fine. Uh, it'll be right up here in just a moment for you. Uh, Colossians chapter number 2. Um, today, I, I want to speak to you on the subject of experiencing God and being transformed by His love. Experiencing God and being transformed by His love. If you're a member of our church or have been in this building at any point uh, in your life, uh, when you walked in this morning, you stopped for a moment and you went, something is a little bit different. And some of you are sitting there going, I really don't know what he's talking about. Um, this morning when you walked in, I told you that there would be, uh, that change was in the air. And that there was going to be something fresh. Well, if you look at the walls, they're a little bit fresh this morning. Uh, if you remember, if you uh, were here last week, they were green. And they're no longer green. And if nobody else says praise the Lord, I'm going to say it. All right? Um, this week, this building uh, by paint was transformed. And uh, this morning, I'm, I'm excited uh, at, at the fresh new look that it has given to this room. I'm excited. Many of you have come to me and said, Pastor, it just brightens the room. And, and uh, that's the idea. You know, church is not to be gloom and doom. We're just supposed to be bright, right? And uh, so it's great, and I appreciate uh, all the hard work that was put into it, and uh, I I'm excited about uh, uh, having it. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, is that in our own lives, that is exactly what happens when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are transformed from the inside out. You know, I've seen people accept Christ as their personal Savior on one morning, and all of a sudden, you know, their life went from having no hope to a life full of hope, and you just couldn't help but uh, 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 notice the brightness and how that they are glowing and how that they are exuding happiness, and that is because they now have the hope of eternity in Jesus Christ. And my prayer is this morning that in the few moments that we have, and I promise you I will not be long, but if you're here today and you've never experienced God, if you've never experienced His transforming love in your life, that before you leave here this morning, you will find hope. Because we live, and if I can be perfectly honest with you, we live in a hopeless world. We live in a world where you turn the television on and it doesn't seem like there's anything we're smiling about. Well, I tell you, I turn on the TV and I smile a lot. And I'm going to tell you why. Because heaven is near. I know one thing, that, that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be ready and prepared for that moment. I want to be ready and prepared for that day. And you say, Pastor, how do I do that? It's very simple. It's experiencing God in a transforming way within your own life. So uh, today we're just going to start, and I want to share a few things with you. And my prayer is this morning that you'll understand and that you will gain guidance in your own life as you pursue uh, your life of Christianity and, and your life of a transforming uh, uh, today. Every spring growing up, our family took on a large project of gardening. How many of you are gardeners here? Anybody gardeners? All right. 
Uh, now, most people, you know, uh, that live in the city, uh, they have small gardens, just small gardens. My dad didn't know what small was. My dad knew that if he kept having sons, that the, the, the garden could get larger. And uh, so uh, my dad, every spring, uh, he would say, okay, it's time to go out and till the ground and garden. Now, my dad believed that, you know, we went to church all my life. I grew up in church. I, I was in church nine months before I was ever born, amen? And, uh, I mean, we went to church all the time. But my dad thought, and we went to a church uh, about 400, 450, and my dad thought he was responsible for, for, for providing all of the vegetation for our whole church. And so my dad would plant a garden big enough so that whenever we went and picked, that we had like trunk loads to take to church with us. And uh, so the, the, he would get out there and, and uh, he would till the ground and, 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 and then we'd go out there and we'd prepare the rows. And, and, and my mom's job, my mom had a job and I never understood it, I'm going to be honest with you. No one was allowed to do it except for my mom. And I, I didn't know why. My mom's job was is we, we prepared the rows. And my mom went down the rows crawling on her hands and knees, I watched it every spring, with her index finger poking a hole And I said to my dad one day, why is my mom the only one allowed to do it? And this is what he said, your mom's finger is the perfect size. So when she hits the knuckle, I know we're deep enough. And I thought, well, God made us all for some reason. She's got the finger, right? We'll move past that. And um, and then we would come behind and we would drop the seed in. And I remember as a little boy, I would drop that seed in. And the very first time I really realized what was going on, I realized something. That as we prepared that soil and we dropped that seed in, that it wasn't going to be long before there was going to be a little plant that sprouted up. And then eventually, and this was the part that I didn't like, I liked watching it when it would sprout up. It was when it matured that work got involved with. Well, as it was sprouting, there was work too, because there's those things called weeds. And uh, my, my dad did not believe in a tiller. He believed in four tillers. Me, my brother, my sister, and my other brother. Uh, we, we were the tillers. And so we would get out there and, and we would pick the weeds. Now, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. It's not a very comfortable climate there. It's very hot in the middle of the summer. My dad would have, uh, he would put out sprinklers, and I thought they were to play in at first. And then he reminded me that uh, we don't play in that sprinkler, we can play in a different one. But there was a huge process that took place, and we would plant that garden row by row by row. It was vital that each seed be rooted in the proper type of soil, and it was spaced according to the instructions that my father would give. Of course, the depth and the quality of the root system determined the plant's ability to rise. How deep it was, how, how strong the roots were, and the quality of the seed would determine how, the rise that it would get out. I began to learn about how that we would plant these seeds and that uh, seeds would uh, uh, begin to come up. And my dad would save some of the seeds so that they could be replanted the next year because there was quality in those seeds. 
As the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, which is where we're at today in the book of Colossians, one of his real concerns was that each believer was rooted and built up in Christ. Although Paul did not personally help to found this church, he was concerned that they would be grounded, that they would be grounded in Jesus Christ. In planting a garden, there are many variables, but there are two important aspects are two things that are the basics of it. First of all, proper rooting of the plant. And secondly of all, uprooting of the weeds. And so this morning, again, just for a few moments, I want to share some thoughts with you uh, from this passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, and even if you don't, would you stand with us this morning? And uh, we're going to read Colossians chapter 2 as this same principle is applicable to experiencing God in every aspect of your life. Colossians chapter number 2, we're going to start reading... In verse number 4, and uh, it'll be on the screen or there uh, in your Bible. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 4. The Bible says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be present in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit. In other words, Paul said, I'm not there, but I'm with you. uh, uh, Joying and beholding you in order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Look at verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Paul said, hey, you, you've, you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Now you need to walk in him. And then he says um, in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught according therein with thanksgiving. Verse number 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not... After Christ. May we say our prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you for each and every individual that's here today. Thank you that they've come and taken a, a, a little bit of time to learn more about you. And Lord, I pray today that you will help me. Help me more than ever as I try my best to engage and to share those things that you've laid on my heart to share. May you give me clarity of thought and mind so that I can share it in a clear way. So that there will be no doubt of understanding when we leave here today. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin and you can follow along with us. Uh, But number one, I want you to know that when we talk about the idea of experiencing God, first of all, it starts with receiving Christ. It starts with receiving Christ. Now, now, church, listen to me this morning. If you don't pay attention to anything else I say today, this is the moment that I want you to get. This is the moment that we're going to spend the most time on. This is the moment that I believe that, that we as a church need to make sure that we understand what it means to receive Jesus Christ so that we can begin this journey. Uh, uh, the truth of the matter is before there is rooting of a plant, there is germination of the seed. Before growth, there is birth. Before growth ever takes place in our life, there has to be birth. Letter A, first of all, you have to hear the gospel. You have to hear the gospel. And my prayer is today that before you leave here, that you're going to know what the gospel means. That word gospel has a very simple meaning. The meaning means is good news. It is good news. Can I tell you something today? That there is no better news that you will ever hear in your life uh, except for the fact that Jesus Christ loves you, he died for you, and that you can uh, uh, live with him eternally in heaven. It is good news. I don't know about you, but but we receive uh, 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 bad news, negative news all the time. Today, I want you to know that there is good news. 
There is good news, and today you can hear that by hearing the gospel. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You're sitting in this room today, if you're visiting for the very first time, you're sitting in this room today because someone cares about you. You may say, well, pastor, there really is no one that cares about me. If they didn't care about you, they would not have invited you to come to this place. There is someone in this room who is a preacher in your life, whether you realize it or not. Because how shall they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? If you haven't heard about him, how are you going to believe on him? And today, if you're sitting in this room, it's because there's someone that cares about you and loves you enough that, that they want to see you be successful in your life. And that begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. The gospel involves Jesus' death on the cross, and we're going to talk about that more in just a moment, as the sin offering to fulfill the law's righteous requirement. There was a requirement that said that someone has to fulfill it. There has to be a death. There has to be someone who is sinless and perfect that goes to the cross and dies for my sin. Under the law, there were animal sacrifices that were offered year after year as a reminder of sin and a symbol of the coming sacrifice of Christ. Well, I'm telling you today, I'm so thankful to tell you that that no longer has to happen because Jesus Christ went to the cross and he paid the ultimate sacrifice. He put his life on the cross uh, and when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And he cares about you. He loves you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. One of the most profound verses in all the word of God, and it's quoted uh, uh, umpteen times probably a day, is John chapter 3 and verse number 16. For God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish or should not die but have everlasting life. When Christ offered himself at Calvary, that symbol became a reality for all who would believe in Hebrews chapter number 10. The work of atonement or the work of the sacrifice or the work of the remission of our sin is finished now. And I'm telling you this morning, and this should put us on shouting ground, that's good news. That's good news. The fact that Jesus conquered sin and death which is sin's penalty, is the good news indeed. The fact that he offers to share that victory with us is the greatest news of all. Can I tell you this morning, he didn't have to go to the cross. Can I tell you this morning, he could have called 12,000 or 10,000 angels to come take him off of that cross. But you know what he said while he was on that cross? He said, not my will, but thine be done. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for you that are sitting in this room. Not my will, but thine be done. John chapter 14 and verse number 19, the Bible says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. Why? Because I live, and because I live, ye shall live also. Look at me this morning, church. I want to tell you something. This is what I know, is that we serve the only living God. We serve the only living God. There is no other God who has conquered death. My, my Jesus Christ, the, the, the very Son of God, is the only one who can say that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he did it because of you and because of me. 
letter B. So now you've heard the gospel. Now we have to respond to the gospel. You know, it's kind of like Christmas morning. For many of you today, it may be Christmas morning for you. Because here you walked into this place, you had no idea what to expect. And then all of a sudden, some music began to play. And you began in your mind to, be, to start thinking, boy, that sounds really nice. And boy, there's something that's stirring inside of me. And now we've reached the culmination of sharing with you what that is. And that is the, 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 the Holy Spirit of God beginning to work on your heart so that he can prepare you to respond to the gospel. It's much like Christmas Day. My children, uh, uh, all of them are old enough to know what Christmas Day is. Um, I've learned something about this, is that when Christmas Day is over and January gets here, maybe not quite January, but February, this is what I'll start hearing. Dad, this is what I want for Christmas. And I'll go, can't we have a little bit of a break? You know, I mean, uh, I heard somebody say one time that time goes by so fast that it's either almost Christmas time or Christmas just uh, uh, finished. You know, it just seems like you blink your eye and it's time again. Now, I remember being a kid and thinking Christmas would never come. It's amazing how those times change as you get to be an adult. Amen. Um, Now you're going, can I just have a couple of more months of savings before it comes, right? Um, But it's like waking up on Christmas morning and everybody coming to the tree and we all sitting around the tree and there's gifts galore. And there's one huge, I mean, huge gift that no one was expecting. And this morning, that huge gift is the gospel. But can I tell you something? We all have to make a choice whether or not we're going to take that gift. He is not going to force that gift on you. He is not going to make you open that gift. But I'm telling you, the moment that you turn your life over to him, your life becomes such a greater uh, moment. It becomes so so much more influential. The Bible tells us that, that all of my joy is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. And I'm going to share these verses with you, but I don't want them to be confusing to you, so I'm going to explain them. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let me share this with you, and I promise I'll be quick. 2,000 plus years ago, there was a man who was born in a manger. And we talk about Christmas, and it's certainly Jesus is the reason for the season. And that man was born in a manger, in a lowly manger of all places. And the Bible says that when he was born, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. What does that word swaddling mean, Pastor? That means death clothes. Jesus was born to die. And they wrapped him in those swaddling clothes and he grew up. And there was only really one mission in mind. And that one mission in mind was the cross. And as he grew, people began to love him because of his miracles. People began to love him because of what he did for them. And then one day they turned his back on him, which was the plan all along. They arrested him in the garden as he was praying. And the Bible says that they took him and they beat him and they scourged him. Beyond recognition. The Bible says, yet he said not a word. They took his body in weakness and they took him to a trial with him and another man. 
a grotesque man. And they asked the crowd, choose who you want to free. And they said, free Barabbas, the other man, and crucify Jesus. How could they do that? When in that same crowd, he had performed miracles for their families. I'll tell you why they did it. Because it was the plan all along. They took him and and, and they nailed him to a cross. And they hung him up on that cross. And they mocked him. and, And they gambled on his clothes and they ripped his beard out of his face. And on that cross, as he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And the Bible says he gave up the ghost. He died. They took him off that cross. And they put him into a tomb. Oh, but it was just a borrowed tomb. Because the Bible says three days later, Mary and the other Mary went to the tomb. And there was an angel there. And, she, and the angel said, there, there's no reason to be afraid. For he's not here, for he is risen. Here it is, just as he said he would. <laughs> then the Bible says, some 40 days later, he ascended up into heaven. Can I tell you where he's at right now? He's alive. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. And he's looking down at 1400 Cedar Street inside of North Point Baptist Church. And he's looking straight into your soul. And he's asking you the question as you feel it inside of you. Are you listening to that guy? Because he's telling you the truth. He's telling you that I love you and that I care about you and that I went to that cross for you. It's not enough just to hear the gospel. The gospel requires a response And even if we choose to be unresponsive today, it is a response. It is saying no to him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23, for all have sinned. Every man, woman, boy or girl that's sitting under my voice today has sinned. What's a sin, pastor? It's anything that does not line up with the perfection of God. We all have sin, and we've come short of the glory of God. What does that mean, Pastor? If I could put it to you in the simplest terms, as you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you see a construction site, and there's a bridge ahead, and they say that bridge is out, and you ignore today. If you walk away from here and you say no to God, you're ignoring the warning signs, and you ignore those warning signs, and you plow through those barricades. Eventually, you're going to come to the place in that bridge that is disconnected, and you're going to find that there is an eternity waiting for you because there is no way today that we connect, can connect ourselves with God except through Jesus Christ for the wages of sin is death or excuse me for all of a sudden they go short of the glory of God Romans 6, 6 23 for the wages of sin is death every one of us uh, uh, that are in this room that have a job every uh, week every two weeks every month whatever the case might be we receive wages for that which we've done it's our payment. Can I tell you what our payment for sin is? It's death. But I don't know about you. I'm so thankful for that semicolon and that conjunction right there. It says, but the gift of God. What is that gift? 
is Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ my, our Lord. Listen, I, I know probably most of you in this room have been to a funeral. And as you stand and you watch that pastor and, and there's the body and you think to yourself, uh, this is terrible, this is horrible, I, th- this is the end. No, 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 no. For the Christian, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. The Bible says to be absent from the body. In other words, to, to pass away from this earthly place is to be present with the Lord. I don't die, I graduate. Amen? I mean, I, when, I, when I leave this life and I head to the next, I don't know about you, but I'm going to walk through the pearly gates. I'm going to walk down the streets of gold. I'm going to go to the throne where my Savior is. And I'm going to put, there's no way I'll be able to even stand. Because the Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Boy, you done got me all excited this morning. Listen, listen, church. There is nothing but good that comes through the Savior. Nothing. He is the Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God showed or commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, while, before we were even born, he died for us. You say, Pastor, what's our response? Romans chapter 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be what? This is a struggle for probably many of you that are sitting in this room that have never heard anything like this before. You're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, in just a moment, he's probably going to ask me to make a decision. Can I tell you what? You're right. And you're going to sit and you're going to say, should I be ashamed? Should I be concerned of what people are going to think? Let me tell you something this morning. You are in the safe place. You are in a safe place. There is no one that's going to look at you and and judge you and say, well, oh, what's going on in their life? No, you know what they're going to do? They're going to pray for you. Then they're going to rejoice with you. And then we're all going to rejoice together. We're just going to have a good time. It's the best party you've ever been to when people get saved around here. Because it is an eternal party. It is eternally lasting. Whosoever believeth on me shall not be ashamed. Verse 12. For there is no difference. It doesn't matter who you are. No matter who you are. Say, Pastor, you don't know my past. You don't don't know the things that I've done. You're right. But I know a Jesus that can forgive your past. I know a Jesus that says, I will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. I I will put it at the bottom of the sea and I will remember it no more. You say, Pastor, but he knows everything. Yeah, but he chooses to forget because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I have two more points in this message, but I'm not going to preach them. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Watch this for a moment. Look at me. Look at me right here. Look at, for whosoever. I'm going to put my name there. All of you have a name. You put your name there. You ready? Here it goes. For if Lee, that's me, will take the courage and release the pride and call upon my name. I'm going to put a parenthesis right there and put my name again. Lee shall, there's no question, it'll happen immediately, be saved. Say, Pastor, what does saved mean? Can I tell you? There was a time in my life where I lifeguarded. And there was times in my life where I was sitting there and all of a sudden you would see something and it would catch your eye. And it would be a child or even an adult. And it looked like that they were struggling to make it. And my instincts would kick in and I would jump. And I would grab a hold of that child or that adult and get them to safety. Sometimes they would say, we were just playing a game. And I would tell them that this is no game. And then sometimes they would look at me and they would say, thank you for saving me. Can I tell you something? That as a lifeguard, it's just a temporary save. But there was a Jesus who walked the face of this earth for 33 and a half years. He went to a cross and he died to save you forever. If you're here today and say, I have... I've never experienced that in my life, Pastor. Can I tell you, there was somebody who was praying for you ever since they invited you. And their prayer was, is that you would understand who Jesus was and that you would allow him to intersect your life. And today you can be the whosoever. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to beg of you for no one to look around. I'm going to beg of you. And I, I know we've been in this service for a little while. But I, and I know this is the moment that a lot of people like to get up and move around. But I'm going to beg you just today. And I don't typically do this. But I'm going to beg of you that you don't move. Just give me a few moments. I, I want nothing to interfere with the Holy Spirit of God. You see, we come to a place like this, and it's a decision time. We begin to evaluate our own lives, and we begin to say, Is there, has there ever been an encounter with Jesus? Has there ever been a moment where I have given him my all? say, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't know how 
to, to invite him into my life. I don't know how to experience him. I'm going to tell you something. There is absolutely nothing complicated about it. It is actually as simple as your ABCs. A, accepting that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. Starting with the guy that's talking to you right now. We're all sinners. We've all done things that contradict the perfection of God. B, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I've tried my best this morning to give you all the evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. And then let her see, confess him, pray to him, and say, as I did one time in my life at the age of 13, God, this is Lee. I, I know that you love me, and I know that you care for me, and I need you in my life today. And I'm inviting you to take over my life. I'm inviting you into my heart. And he promises that if you invite, he will come in and reside and be your savior and Lord of all. Now, I'm going to beg you to just give me about five more minutes. And please, nobody look around. Nobody move. From where you're sitting on your right-hand side, which would be the side where the piano is playing, is where I'm standing right now. And in just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm simply going to ask you, if you would say, Pastor, there's never been a time in my life where I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I want you to let your eyes hit my eyes. I just want to make sure that we make eye contact. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. I'm going to ask you to simply let your eyes hit my eyes as an acknowledgement that there's never been a time in my life when I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I promise you, everyone in this room knows this that knows me. I will not come to you. I will not embarrass you. I will not call you by name. I will not do it. But I want you to know what I am going to do. Is Lord willing, we're going to take care of it this morning. Starting on my left, which is your right, on the far side of this building and room. With nobody looking around unless your eyes need to hit my eyes, you would say, Pastor, that's me. There's never been a time in my life that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm starting on my left right now. Just let your eyes hit my eyes. I'm going through the audience. I want to make sure that I see every person. God bless you. God bless you. All you got to do is let your eyes hit my eyes. I'm going to the middle left, which would be your middle right. Say, Pastor, God bless you. There's never been a time. Just let your eyes hit my eyes. To the other middle, as I'm heading towards the left of this auditorium, in the center, you would say, Pastor, that's me. Just let your eyes hit my eyes. There's never been a time. Now moving to my far right, which is the far left of this auditorium, you would say, Pastor, I'm going to look at you right in the eyes and I'm going to say, that's me. Just look at me right here. God bless you. God bless you. Just look at me right here. Now listen to me. 
I want you to know something. That I am not in this for anything other than for your soul. There are no stipulations. There are no requirements. Other than the fact that you say yes to Jesus Christ. You pray silently, I'm going to pray out loud. And you would pray a prayer like this that would say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I need you as my Savior. And today, I'm inviting you into my life to save me forever. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. There's also something that I know. As I know this church. And there are people all around this auditorium that are praying for you. And if you said yes, they're rejoicing with you. We're going to do this one more time. And I promise you our invitation will be over. We're going to do it one more time. We're going to start on my left, which is your right, far to the side. No one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Unless you need to look at me. And you'll say, Pastor... I prayed that prayer today. Today was the day that my life changed forever because someone cared enough about me to invite me to come hear what that Bible says about who Jesus is. And today I have received the greatest gift of my life, which is salvation. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you by name. I'm going to pray for you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start on my left, your right, on the very far side of the auditorium. I'm standing there now. You would say, Pastor... That was me. I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. Just let your eyes hit my eyes. I'm on my far left. I'm on my far left. Just look at me. God bless you. Just look at me. God bless you. Just look at me. I'm moving to my right and your left. He would say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today. I prayed it. God bless you. I prayed that prayer today. I'm in the middle. I'm heading to your left and my right. And say, Pastor, that was me. I prayed that prayer today. I prayed it. Now I'm moving to my far right, your far left. Just look at me and then put your head right back down. You'd say, Pastor, I did that. God bless you and God bless you. I did that today. I don't want to miss anybody. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand with me this morning? I know you've been sitting a long time, and I appreciate your patience. But I don't know about you, but I've got plenty of time for God to work. I've got plenty of time for God to move on the hearts of people. Because this is what church is all about. So many times we get focused on our activities and our events that we forget the real meaning of church, which is the gospel. And proclaiming it and people's lives changing and their hearts changing. Now I promised you I would not come to you and I would not embarrass you if you looked at me. And I'm keeping my word. I want you to know that. But we're going to sing a verse of invitation. Pastor Parker is going to sing it. Because I don't want to leave here without giving you an opportunity to respond openly. Now, you'd say, Pastor, I don't, I, I, I don't want to be embarrassed. You're not going to be embarrassed. Because we're just going to rejoice with you. 
I don't want to be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. We're going to rejoice with you. Say, Pastor, I don't really even know anybody. That's okay. You'll find a new friend in just a moment. That's going to love you and care for you. The hardest part is there's the enemy. He's saying, don't do it. Don't go. And the Lord is saying, I've already done it. You already have the victory. Just go. This is your moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want to, and you feel led to come to this old-fashioned altar and meet me right here and say, today was my day. I want you to know that I'll be here to meet you. And I'll be here to greet you. And I'll be here to help you on your journey, as will others. Father, we love you. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this invitation. Lord, may you be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please, nobody looking around. Pastor Parker, you begin to sing. You come if God wants you to.